Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Uh, this is Into the Black Archive, for the first time ever, discussing new Doctor Who. Because as we are sitting right now, it is about coming up to 8 o'clock UK time. Quarter to 8. So quarter to 8. So Flux, the first episode of Flux, the Halloween apocalypse, has finished just now. We are sitting in a living room. Uh, and we are still really processing what we've seen, and I'm sure a lot of you guys are too. So, my name's James. I'm glad that you're listening to me, and that you'll also be listening to my friend and partner in crime, Owen Cranston. Is this a bizarre way to start a coup? You're listening to me, and only me. <laughs> <laughs> you are listening exclusively to my voice. Don't listen to anything else. You're entering a very deep sleep. Uh, Is that like how um, Covered on... St- Dogman started it with with Dan trying to get his attention, but then it failing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just like, you'll bow before me. I'll do. I'll do what? I was also about to do the accent, which I'm banned on. Yeah, no. uh, yeah. I'm not allowed to do that. He runs a very tight ship. So, <laughs> Owen. Yes. I think the best way to start a discussion about this episode is generally, how do you feel about it? They really did throw everything and the kitchen sink at you. Like, everything is presented to you up front. You know, straight away, you've got the Sontarans, you've got the, the Angels, you've got the Dogman creature, the Lopos? Lupos? Uh, Lupari. Lupari. I believe. Um, you've got the Swarm. Everything is being chucked at you. You can definitely tell which they've gone. Because there's there's a lot of questions about... How did they go the serialised route? Was it going to be sort of like individual stories all loosely linked? I think this is definitely solidified. In fact, it's going to be one solid story going through. Yeah, it seems like it's going to be one solid story with... I think each episode we're going to get out of these will have a slightly different feeling and a slightly different uh, focus point mm-hmm. on events. But it's all leading to the same thing, that's for sure. We've What I would say this episode is, is definitely that the, all of the puzzle pieces have been put out on the table... And now it's our job to start connecting them. Let me ask you, because I genuinely don't mind Chibnall. I think he's got his quirks and he's got, I think he's got his problem, but I'm generally all right with him. You're the one who's more critical of Chibnall's writing. How do you think he did? I think it's very hard to judge because the, the truth is, is that this is an episode that raises more questions than really answers anything. Mm-hmm. He is... But but again, the questions are enticing enough, and I think what we've seen so far is solid enough that I'm fully willing to give this a go. Because so far, I think it's made a, not a perfect start, but I think it's made a promising start, where I think there is potential for this to be really good. Mm-hmm. I think this does have potential, and there are things that I do want to talk about, and we will get into, I'm sure, that are genuinely good about this. And some of the some of the best writing I've seen Chibnall do on who actually. Well, that's a good start. So, hello and welcome to everyone who's new to us. Let's just quickly go through what we do because that's we true. Actually... Yes, because we might get a lot of new listeners <laughs> that, um, that haven't listened to what we do before. So, anyway, you're better for talking about this. So, we are in for Black Archive. We have been going through the old Doctor Who since around the start of this year. Really, we've just gone into to, uh, Patrick Troughton's era. Yeah, we've just finished season we've... four. We just yeah. did Evil of the Daleks. Yes. But now we're here with a new Who. So how this tends to work is we have a nice little informal chat where, where we get to know the episode casually, like with what we've just had. And then we delve into the more structured zone. So we'll go through the synopsis, what we think the characters are like, and then we'll go into plot, 
points. And realistically, we'll probably end up spitballing about what the questions mean and and, and where things could go moving forward, because this definitely does seem like a mystery box to delve into. It's a mystery box full of puzzle pieces, which we don't know how they connect. And we're going to try and begin that process now. So... How, how do you want to start this? Because usually when we do classics, we always talk about sort of characters first. Shall I attempt to, to, to without any help to put a synopsis on this? Because there's so much. Yeah, the feature is it's not that there's so much. It's the fact it's so much, but it's also dotted all over the shot. Yeah, it's a very it's a very disparate episode. There are multiple threads. That are being set up. So we've met... Oh, I could count. I mean, there are those last shots, aren't there? Where they sort of go mm. through all the threads to remind you. These are all threads. Yeah. Remember that these were threads. And there's yeah. like seven or eight of them. It's a lot to throw at an audience member straight out the gate. Yeah. So. <laughs> Good luck. Let's see how terribly this goes with no script. Right. So we start off with the Doctor and Yaz being hung upside down with... A dog man threatening them. They flip up and they get out there. The TARDIS leaking. The Doctor has a mind trip where she sees the swarm. Someone who she doesn't remember, but he remembers her. We then quickly go back down to Earth. The dog man is back. He's coming to take Dan, who gets taken away. Doctor and Yaz come to hunt for him. They go onto a ship. They find him. And I missed something there, but I'm go- we can jump back on that. Um, they find him. They go, they notice the swarm is coming, and then they come back again. There's so many different threads. I missed out on several of them. I missed out on Claire. Claire's this mysterious girl. Yeah, there's Di- Diane, who's sort of Dan's date, who kind of gets pulled into this house. By the swarm. There are the Sontarans. Sontarans are getting war hungry. Oh, and there's also a man building tunnels in the 19th century. Yes, who hopefully will be resolved last time. Joseph Williamson. Jez Williamson, which is his first bingo card win. Uh, the fool. Uh, so, yeah, as you can tell, there's a lot to get through. It's it's going to be tricky to talk about it because there's so much that's happened but has only really been introduced at the base level. It's the same sort of issue we had when we were discussing M- Mission, Mission to the Unknown. That's the name. Which was a spin-off, which was sort of a, a prelude to the Daleks master plan, which yeah. is an unfinished episode, so we could only ever really talk about the, the introduction. So we kind of stuck with the starting points. But there is something which we can talk about quite easily here. The characters. We've got a new companion, we've got Yaz, and we've got the Doctor. Shall we start with the new companion? Because obviously that's the main story is John Bishop is in. We've been talking about John Bishop being a Doctor for nearly a year since that teaser went out at the end of the New Year's special. So I think John Bishop's the best thing about this episode. He has somehow had more character development within one episode than I'm going to say Ryan definitely has. Yaz arguably has had within two seasons. I think it's without question the best companion Chibnall has written. Yeah. And he's not really even like a formal companion yet. Mm -hmm. Because obviously he's kind of just been whisked into this world out of nowhere. But he's already got a personality. Admittedly, his personality is pretty much John Bishop's personality. And it's not like this character is too far out of sort of what John Bishop is like. We know John Bishop is a Liverpool fan. We know he's from Liverpool. He would probably be like this in real life. He's not having to really extend acting-wise to do this. Which was actually one of our worries, because we were looking back, going back when all this stuff first really probably started getting announced. 
we were questioning about how good he'll be in an acting role because he hasn't really acted before. The answer is Chibnall does this quite cleverly. He, he's written a character that's so up his alley that he's basically just asking him to be funny. And the, the, the jokes in there, I'm not sure how much a Bishop's had in that, but the jokes are good. Yeah. Yeah, so so what did you think about... Cause he did have a lot of... What did you think about his character? I think he's initially likeable. There's that, there's that interesting intro that he's essentially doing these art gallery tour guides yeah. uh, in Liverpool without being cleared to do so at all, which is kind of odd. But he does it, which is kind of endearing, and we warm up to him, and we see him turning away trick-or-treaters and sort of having that, that general Liverpudlian funniness. And he works at a food bank as well, like, yeah. and you can't he, he say works, anything about that. He, he works at a food bank, but it later appears, which instead of working at it, he might actually be in need of its services. Yes, there is. That is sort of implied out of nowhere, but we kind of drop it because obviously he's out in space all of a sudden. I think it could be brought back on because by the looks of things, it's going to be very earthbound this season. Yes, we're heading back to Earth and through, but I think it's just kind of the universe is going around Earth. Yeah. Is what will be happening. It'll be interesting if they were to pick up on that with a kind of almost like a political tone. I mean, I, I've been quite critical of General for, for doing quote unquote political things on Who. But if it's, there's a way where that works. Yeah. At the moment, they're just seeding it. We don't know how that's going to turn out in the future. But I think the character-wise, you learn a lot about him quite quickly. It's very efficiently done, and he's quite likeable. And I know more about him through little clever things. Just like, you know, when he goes in the fridge and there's nothing in the fridge, same with the cupboard. Mm. That's more than I learn from, like, Ryan constantly riding that damn bike. Or Yaz just asking her usual Yaz questions. Well, she didn't do that much this Not as this, much. In this episode. I guess because she can't really, because now Yaz is the only one. We sort of have to assume that Yaz is... There's actually another problem I think that's developed with Yaz, actually. You mm. know when she's breaking down out of the, the cage? Yeah. She's very doctory in that bit. Yes. It's, it's, it's not like she's a companion. She's pretty much there. I, this is something which I nearly brought up while we were watching it. Mm. Since we've moved on to Yaz's character, I'll mention it now. Yeah, we might as well move on there anyway. Correct me if I'm wrong here. Is Yaz, aside from Rose, the only new Who companion who's been taught how to fly the TARDIS? Yeah, I reckon so. Because Yaz is fly. Although, I mean, if you count Journey's End as being they flew the TARDIS, that obviously puts quite another few people in there. But they were more just roped in because they had to rope him in and he they were under direct instruction but yeah seems to be independently flying it without much support what we're basically saying is that christian Blean's yaz is such a good character she might as well be I, a time lord i think it's just context really i i disagree i i think it's just context we're, we're led to believe here which which ryan and graham have been gone for a while at this point Mm. We we get hints that we, we we've gone to all these amazing places, aren't they? Yeah, Good they've enough. put distance so, between them. So they've obviously been in travelling for a while. So I think it's only natural, as a police officer in particular, she's going to be curious about how the TARDIS works. Perhaps, and she, we but, know which is forward thinking enough as a police officer to solve these problems. I don't think it's too far out of grounds of her character. But on the flip side of that, don't you think that? I think the frustrating thing is that Yaz has had two full series mm -hmm. and untold specials and now is entering flux and has been there longer than pretty much any companion I can think of. Yeah. Now, aside from maybe Clara, who was there for far too long and could apparently be in this episode according to whatever the hell Twitter's going on about. Um, but there's no relationship she probably has the Doctor on screen. That relationship is so contrived. 
Like they try to build conflict into it in a really forced way by saying, "Well, why won't you? Why won't you tell me this?" When she has like that psychic link thing, yeah, it, and it just feels really forced. Like they're trying to build out like they have a relationship, when it just doesn't come across on screen. They look like they met that day all the time. I think the issue in this episode, in particular, in that front, is that they've got so many things on their plate. Yeah, there's not much they. They're, they're the established thing in this story. And I agree with you. I mean, fundamentally, the Doctor and Yaz not having a relationship is not Flux's problem. That's the I, problem of the last two seasons. I I think it looks... Them bickering... You, you've got housemates, I don't. Yeah, I do. I, to me, it looks like people who are being forced to live and interact with each other inside one house. Yeah, you're absolutely dead on. <laughs> so, in that sense, it is a realistic way to be bickering because you, you think about it if they've been in this TARDIS now travelling around the world yes but they've still been stuck inside this box for months potentially it's not, not out of the range of question which they're going to be bickering perhaps but I think you have to balance the bickering with with the suggestion that they don't always bicker and that's really all they do mm. it's always like why are we doing this and, and all the stuff it, like that Based on their interactions, it does raise the question of why is Yaz with the Doctor? Because when they separate on the ship, Yaz is sort of like talking behind the Doctor's back, having to go at her for not being specific enough. It does raise it does raise the question, I'll admit, of why is Yaz still buffering with this? There doesn't seem to be a lot of personal motivation. And the, and the issue even more so with that, with Yaz, is because there's so much plot happening and we've been given all these mystery box threads, we know they're not going to focus on it, right? It's yeah. not going to get focused on because there's so much plot to get through. Mm. So that problem is going to be this root problem. It's going to run throughout the whole thing of they're not fixing or addressing the root issue, which has been the problem, I think, with the Chibnall era, which is just bad characterization. Are they going to potentially, do you think... With this side of the bickering and back-talking from Yaz, are they going to build in a path where Yaz regrets not leaving? It'd be, it'd be a good writing decision if they did that. Because it's definitely got that face of, with the two other people, it was bearable, but now I'm my own with you. Mm. It, it's getting a bit annoying. I mean, maybe that's her path out. Maybe that's being set up. That it's just out of bickering. Although that would be interesting because it would sort of imply that there was nothing really there to begin with. Because we've had two seasons of effectively not having a relationship built up between them and now we're trying to act like, oh, isn't it sad that their brilliant relationship is being broken up with bickering? Like, what relationship? Yeah. I'd argue which their relationship was the best one which we had last time. Yeah, but that really is like comparing... It is comparing mm-hmm. rotten apple, isn't it? Yeah. They're all rotten. <laughs> I, I know I'm intensely critical, listeners, of, yeah. of the Jim Lira. This is better than most of the Jim Lira. I really want to point this out. This is an improvement, but there are still root problems. So let's go from Yaz, one side of this relationship, and go on to a different side for Doctor. Yeah. How do you think she was? Well, Jodie's doing the same thing that she's always done. I think this potentially the best characterization of her Doctor. You think? Yes. Because too often with Jodie's Doctor in particular, she comes off as this constantly socially awkward but over-the-top cheery character. Yeah, I agree. She's I, not as I, intolerable. 
this time though, we still have this overtop cheery persona, but we can see which she is getting stressed out. She's keeping secrets. She's unsure what's going on, which is a different side to her, which we haven't seen before. Well, this is the whole question of... It's good to explore it because we're so used in Doctor Who episodes that the Doctor is always in control no matter how wild everything gets. Mm. But certainly by the end of this episode, particularly with the, the great big mahoosive cliffhanger, the whole thing is, well, she's not in control right now. Yeah. Which I like. I think it's a good place to develop Jodie. And frankly, she hasn't really developed much. So it would be nice to see something change. Mm. I've always thought that Jodie Whittaker does a good job with what she's asked to do by Chibnall. I think she delivers the character well. The question is, is it a good Doctor from a script perspective? As opposed to, is it a good Doctor from a acting perspective? Because I think we know that's the case. I... I think aside from the end of a haunting villa da 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 the da 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 yeah um, the side man one this is potentially the best characterization which we've got because I we could see go with that. we see the different sides to her we can see the after effects in her brain of the timeless children revelation she's still trying to work that all out in her head yeah she's not in a polished place that's for sure and it does come through. So that's character-wise. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you have a bunch of different characters coming through. We have Jacob Anderson as Vinda, who only in it very briefly. Yeah, we we essentially see him. We'll come on to this more in a bit. We essentially see him in the spaceship, checking up on the galaxy, and then he evacuates. So that's all we see of him. So there's not nothing we can say there really about him, is there? No, nothing major. He sees the flux happening. He's like, "Well, get me out of here, then," and he does. So still a lot of questions with him. And then there are all these Actually, new characters introduced. There is one thing about Vinda which has surprised me. Which is? Just right off the back. The fact is more scientist than he is seemingly like action man spy. Like he kind of seemed like in the Yeah, I, I agree with that. He's sort of just observing, isn't he? Almost seems a bit bored yeah, he, by all the observations at the start. Yeah. It, it's just not what I expect. I expected our introduction to him to be him running down a corridor shooting people. Yes, which would have worked, but no, I guess we're going for the different thing with Vinder. I mean, we'll have to find out if and when he interacts with mm. Doctor and Yaz, what that'll be like, and and how he comes into it, because that is the big thing at the moment. He's got so much stuff happening in disparate places, trying to find out how all of this is going to essentially crash into each other Yeah, is the question. What does Zeta talk about? I want to talk about the Lupari, because this is an interesting thing. With um, the character who... How do you say his name? Dogman. Dogman. Let's go with Dogman. With Dogman, it's all kind of good and you think he's obviously the villain and everything and he turns out to not be and he kind of just turns out to be this guy. Yeah. Who ends up having secrets about something called The Division. Yeah, so that's going to be the interesting thing. Which obviously is something because that's mentioned in the swarm scene, isn't it, as well? Yeah, it... It's a thing which which leads the Doctor onto this initial journey is trying to work out what the Division is, which apparently is so secretive. She's refusing to even tell Yaz mm. what, what's going on. Yeah, obviously it's way beyond... It's obviously at the highest possible level of secrecy in a sense. And particularly as apparently Dogman is the last surviving 
agent of it. I don't think he's the last surviving. He, he was the only one which he which she could find. Ah, maybe so that. So if it's a secretive organisation, mm. which I think it is, yeah, that suggests it's more of just a, at some point he's cocked up and she's noticed him. Yeah. Yeah, obviously we'll find out more about that. The interesting thing also with the Lepari is why they get involved in the episode. Because you think, for most of it, the Lepari is invading Earth because they found this fleet of 7 billion ships. Turns out they're actually trying to save the people of Earth. Because yes. it's this really interesting thing that Chibnall's brought into it. But we'll go on to that when we start talking about plot. Yes, because we haven't even started talking about yeah. plot yet. So let's, let's, let's start off with the introduction to this episode. So we come in with the Doctor and Yaz hanging up, handcuffed to a thing. And I have to say... Right out of the bat, not for best looking scene staff with because that see that green screen work looked dodgy. It's shoddy. It's PlayStation Two visual zone, which you can definitely get away with. But Doctor Who's been getting away with it for years. But is that the shot you want to start the new season with? It felt like they were, they were kind of going in and like, "Oh, look, action! You like action on Who?" And I just thought, "Oh God, this is all of the things that." It's the whole scene screamed about Christian going, Oh, yeah, this show's great. Let me remind you. And it's like, No, you're reminding me why I like kids' cartoon programs, yeah. not who. That's a different show. I feel like that entire introductory scene would have just looked better if they were in some sort of enclosed space and there was a robot threatening just to shoot them. Because then you don't have any of that dodgy CGI nonsense. Yeah, they're flying through. A planet of green milk and smoke. Like, yeah, sure. For the environment, it's essentially um, Star Wars when they're fighting Skywalker, but blue and green. Oh, not even not even that, because Star Wars has tactility. This didn't have anything tactile. It was all just CG. You could tell I, it was filmed with just like, they've got the bar, they made the bar, yeah. and then everything else was screen. Yeah. That's immediately not going to make you feel like you're in a plausible world. It's just, oh, look, space, yay, don't you like space? This show's great. When when apparently Chivnall hasn't realised that the show he's made for the two seasons leading up to Flux is, is actually not great and is probably the worst who I've seen in 20-odd years. I'm going to disagree with that statement, but we'll discuss it more later because we need to get moving on. <laughs> um, it's just true. So we land in for TARDIS and we go looking. Yes. We go looking. We go looking for where the Dogman has gone. Yes, and Dogman has gone to Earth to pick up a certain Liverpudlian man. Yes, so we get introduced to Dan, as you were saying earlier when we were talking about Dan himself, in a very weird way. He's essentially a black market tour guide. Yeah, and it, he doesn't earn any money out of it. There's no real gain other than just he sort of likes it, which is fine, yeah. I suppose. Because it does, it warms you up to him very quickly, but it does seem kind of like a left field, unless that comes in later. Yeah, it, he, it sets him up as being a very selfless person because we see him doing the... Um, the food bank. food bank. We see him doing the tour guides, yet we also see him with no food. Hmm. But so yeah, so we, we go from that, we go to Dan being in food bank, there's something watching him, which later turns out to be Dogman. Dogman comes in, takes him away, and then the doctor comes in looking for him. Yeah, and they realise that um, 
yeah, he's been taken with that stun cube. They then scan for orbiting ships, find that one Lupara ship and the other 7 billion. Then they recognize that's a trap. The house gets miniaturized in that trap. Can I just say, which this point here uses my most irritating thing, which, I, which has been happening in all TV shows and all films. Mm. Where they don't use a realistic computer operating system. Like, why isn't any of the stuff they bring up within, like, Windows, Windows? Or an Apple desktop environment. Because As a computer I don't person, think the Doctor uses an Apple desktop environment. No, but it wasn't her computing. It's never their computer. It's always someone else's computer, but they always use some other thing, and it always just looks weird, and I don't it's like it, but moving on. Well, I think it's because of licensing issue. But still, you can still, still make a more realistic-looking browser. <laughs> you probably could, <laughs> no. but at the end of the day, it's not the thing they're going to put the majority of effort into from the, from the graphic department. Yeah. You could just go with Linux. It's a, ner- it's a nerdy nitpick, yeah. I'll say. And that's, that's my... And that's my specialism. That for ages. Do you remember that? Um, do you remember that Bells of St John episode with the Wi-Fi? Yeah, that always really annoyed me on a nitpick level because it was just so ridiculous that there would be Wi-Fi with essentially there's no font for that that existed. But that's that's the same on every TV show, almost every TV show where they do something like that. And almost I know, every but, film you know, but still annoyed me. Yeah, it, it, it is. It is a pointless nitpick, but it is a nitpick, and that's what I like to do. So once the house is miniaturized, which proves that we're doing a Doctor Who podcast and nothing else. They're about to leave, and then this is what, probably the most interesting thing that happens, yeah. I think, in the whole of the hour, is this woman arrives, like, doctor, 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 and they're like, do I know you? And they like, oh, obviously you haven't met me yet, which is the whole River Song trick of, okay, there is a woman who is part of the Doctor's future. Yeah. Coming in, in the Doctor's past. Mm-hmm. And we think, oh, I wonder where she's going to go. And then she ends up Having a, a weeping angel scene. Almost instantly, we have a weeping angel... Displace her. ...come out of nowhere, just in the middle of the street, and just come at her, which I'm hoping makes sense in context. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a cool scene, and I think it's the best angel scene they've done in ages. I really want to point that out. It was really decent. Not hard. I know, but we have to... Look, the bar's low, but we have to give them credit when they go above it. It yeah. was good. I like the bit, just on a screenwriter level, the bit with the key is good on two levels. One, you establish tension really well with that yeah. because it's such an easy thing, but mm-hmm. only but when you're not looking at it. And if you've ever tried putting a key in without, without looking at it, it's the hardest thing in the world. It's a nightmare. So it is. It's perfectly relatable tension. You know, and that's clever to, to basically mm. roll down this whole idea of a weeping angel, which is obviously this very inhuman thing, and root it in the hole. But if she could just get the key in the door. Yeah. So that's really quite nice from Chibnall. Got to give him credit for that scene. So, working off who this Claire is, who do we think she is? I've seen a few people on Twitter try and say it's Clara, Clara Oswald, which I personally think is a big reach. I don't think she'll be anybody I, that we know. I I would think if they wanted to go down that path, it would be in a case of, will Gemma, Gemma Coleman do it? Yes, no. Yes, we'll do it. No, let's not do it. Because mm. it doesn't make sense within, within the canon for it not to be Gemma Coleman because we've always seen in in those shots of her going back and saving the Doctor... We always see it being Jenna Coleman. Yeah, so it wouldn't work like that. 
Yeah, I've seen the reach been made. Personally, I don't agree with it, but we'll see. The other thing that is giving people credence to the whole theory of old people coming back is that the outpost Vinder is working around to outpost Rose. So there's a they're, they're wondering whether Chibnall's leaving clues about old companions running around. I, I think we need to be careful between callbacks for fan service and callbacks for plot. Yeah, I think it's if anything is a callback for fan service. Because, These are reaches because you don't really have anything yet. Because at the beginning, the Doctor goes, Nitro 9 is very unreliable. Which, if people don't know, Nitro 9 is the thing which Ace used to make back with the 7th Doctor. Mm. But that doesn't mean which Ace is coming back. Yeah, I, it's it's a reference, and people who've watched the classics will know it. I, I think it's enough... I think that Rose thing... Honestly, it's just a coincidence. Or yeah, well, I think Rose is such a famous thing. It's probably just been put in there as like a nice callback. Yeah, nothing more. I don't think it will mean anything significant at all. Yeah, the, the issue is, is at the moment because we've really only seen one or two scenes of a lot of the threads. It's very yeah. hard to make reads. Yeah, I I think which Claire is simply someone who the Doctor meets in a journey, which will come up in a. See in a episode which will come up in this season at some point, maybe episode three, maybe episode four. We'll yeah, it'll see. become clear later as to how important or how yeah. integral I think, she's the plot. I think she's just a lot of character who the Doctor meets along the way. I don't think she's anyone special. Well, she could be someone special, but I don't think she's someone from the Doctor's past. So anyway, Dan gets captured and the Doctor, in the usual sense, goes up to try and get him. Yaz is tasked with rescuing Dan while the Doctor goes and confronts Dogman about the Division and all that stuff. And then we figure out why the Lupari are there and that they're actually there to save humans and not take planet out because of the flukes. It's, it's such an interesting concept. Species bonding is how they refer to it. Yeah, essentially, like, they have got this species which they need to protect, even though we don't care about how they're treated. And also raised the question about where the hell have they been all the other times. Yes. I, it's all, it's that classic thing of, oh, you know, why would, why didn't they show up there? Why didn't they show up there then? That's that's the tough thing when you've got 60 years of, of story yeah. and then you're trying to throw things. Is You'll always find four or five things that everything contradicts. You just have to go with it. Or you just keep rebooting the canon every five years. Which Shout is from Moffat Russell. Way. It's your turn soon. Where what? That's from Moffat Way. For that is the Moffat way, just reboot it all. Yeah. Do uh, Big Bang. Yeah. I, I mean, this is effectively what the flux is, right? If, if it's if it's erasing the universe. I don't think it is. I think it is some... I reckon whatever... What's going to happen at the end of this, I hate to tell you this all now, we're going to be solely disappointed by the ending and we're going to just have a reset button. Hmm. Much like in Journey's End, how they just reset it so all the, all the planets will go back. Yeah, yeah. They I, won't do this without a reset. I, we know that. I reckon it will just be a restart button. Yeah. I reckon it'll have a reverse mode. We'll have reverse flux. Yeah. I. The Xulf. Yeah. But we've got a while to go. <laughs> yes, we have. we get to far too many episodes to go. <sighs> so... We also haven't talked here about the swarm. The swarm is introduced in that first oh, yeah, little bit. Yeah, the swarm bit happens, by the way. Where, right when the Doctor and Yaz are taking off 
from where they are captured. The doctor's brain essentially she telepathically links to this guy called the Swarm, who is a blue guy with crystals coming out of his head, and he is captured. He has got a pass with the doctor, but we don't know what. Mm. Now the swarm escapes the trap. Yeah. My right in saying that. Yes. Uh, and proceeds to just start disintegrating people, which is cool. Seems very powerful. Obviously has something to do. Yeah. What what that is, we don't know. But apparently, he know he has fought her many times, but she doesn't remember it because of possibly even the division. It's sort of a Actually, mention of like they they're really efficient. I've just you've done a mental wave, haven't you? Isn't in timeless children for people who reset the doctor's memory called the division? Hmm, possibly, yeah, actually. That ring suddenly rings a bell. So that would explain why they're looking, why she's looking for the division. Yeah, she wants answers to timeless children still. So yeah, her desire there is probably answers to timeless children. So we, I mean, we were saying before how much of an interrogation it would be about the events of whether you like that episode or not, that finale. It seems like it will get there. Mm-hmm. But amongst so many other things. So yeah, so he, yeah, we, we get introduced to him, but then we come back again. And then Doctor and Yaz and Dan, they learn about Flux, they go to the Flux. They're initially confused and annoyed because the TARDIS took them to a random place. And then we go... Then you hit oh, the cloister bell, which is never a good sign. Yeah, the TARDIS starts panicking and we notice the Flux is outside on their tail and they can't stop it. At all. And it's also chasing them. Yes, it's direct, directed towards the Doctor. And also, a nice little, as we were talking about how it might be throwbacks for plot or throwbacks for fan service, I'm happy for Heart of the TARDIS is back. Yes, we had Vortex Energy. Which which was a good parting of the ways callback. Yeah, it was good to have it back. Yeah, I, whoa, does that add credence to the whole Rose thing? Because that's another Rose-related callback, isn't it? No. Well, I know I'm clutching at I, many, many straws. Yeah, I I think you really are the definition of clutching at that straw is saying, which that's the Rose. The Rose Tyler's not going to come back, but, you know, at the end of the day, I've seen fan theories already on Twitter that are based on less. So, yeah, I'm allowed <laughs> to, to just say nonsense. But that's, I think, where we all are with what we've got, because there are just so many questions without answers that are not even really any connective threads. Yeah. That we've just kind of in... How, I've, how I'd describe this episode is that it's Chibnall putting all of the chess pieces into a formation. Yeah. He's getting his pawns where he wants them, he's moving his bishops around and his knights, and he's getting into a a battle formation. Mm -hmm. So we know where all the pieces are, but we don't know what the motivation is behind the pieces themselves, and also how those pieces connect. Yes. So we get into this whole flux thing. We have a call back to the swarm, which reveals which the swarm is the person in control of the entire flux scenario. Mm. He is the one making it chase the doctor. We doctor starts running away, takes it to Earth. We get the dog people whose name I've forgotten again. Lupari. Lupari to block off the swarm for the flux, which for now at least seems to be holding. 
Yeah, because their ships interlock. It's kind of like Guardians of the Galaxy a bit. You know the bit in Guardians of the Galaxy when they're fighting off um, Ronin and, and everything and the ships all lock in the formation. It forms like a shield and it holds the ship in place. This is for part of the podcast where I say yes, despite not watching this thing you're referencing. What, Guardians yes. of the Galaxy? The Marvel movie? Yes. You haven't watched Guardians of the Galaxy? No. Really? Yes. Really? <laughs> I thought everyone... <laughs> okay. I've got, I've got the tape of the soundtrack. Yeah, everyone has the tape of the soundtrack. I mean, it. the movie, the movie. You've no. watched the movie. Right. But yes. God help you. Yes, uh, I get what you're on about. <laughs> yeah, it's like that, to, to, to summarise. Um, yeah, that all seems to be held in place. But the, the main issue is this cliffhanger, right? Because basically this is apparently the end of the universe, <laughs> according to the cliffhanger, which must be the most high-stakes cliffhanger I've ever seen on this damn show. Yeah, It can't go much higher than that, can they? Well, we've been saying it before. Cliffhangers are cli- uh, Cliff Chris Chipnall's specialty. Yeah, he so, does like a cliffhanger. So I think this is going to be the start of many amazing cliffhangers. Yeah, so right now we're at the, the universe is effectively ending and there's nothing the Doctor can do. I'm wondering whether instead of actually going forward in the story, we actually go backward. Mm. This is my feeling. I feel like we might be going backward because I sense maybe the end of episode one is actually like almost the end chronologically we might not even get that result until episode six we might just flash right back at two because we've had the preview of this Sontaran episode that's coming up yeah and it seems entirely unrelated to what happens at the end of one so potentially we could just wind straight back there and then in that story we learn clues about what's happening or that's... what's happened in one so when we first learned about there's going to be creatures called the ravagers we were making references to that which for Christopher Eccleston, Big Finish production was called Ravengers and mm. had creatures called Ravengers, which honestly acted very similar to the Flux. But that's the exact same formula of plot which they took. They had the inf- they had the Doctor going backwards through time to try to solve this problem. So it could be very similar to that. It is possible. It's either the Doctor will end up going through backwards somehow or the episodes will just go backwards and we'll have a non-linear format, which I'm fine with. If Chibnall wants to write that way, then sure, if he can make that work. But it depends It depends on how he wants to do it. I could see that happening. I think it's going to be linear purely because we're now starting to see the Sontarans getting hyped. I suppose so, yeah. Yeah, probably. Um, but if they're going and just sort of jumping between in different ways, it'll be interesting to see what where that goes. All I know is I don't think we're going to see the resolution of that cliffhanger straight out. No. I think we're going to jump somewhere else first. Yeah, I reckon we're going to go to Liverpool in what go see Joseph Williamson with his tunnels, tunnels. to see what that's all about and then eventually they'll come in mm. place. And I think that's a good segue, seeing as we've basically gone through the madness of, of yes. episode one now, to talk about our bingo cards. Because if you didn't know, we, myself and Owen, have created bingo cards. We put them on Twitter on Saturday, just before today's yes. episode. And we've predicted 16 fairly left-field things, just being handed my piece of paper, so, that we think or we thought might happen during Flux. Obviously, we're only one episode down, so we're not expecting to get all of them. But whoever gets the most, I don't know, gets pride. So yeah, so essentially, these are our predictions, and this is our way of measuring how right or wrong we're going to be. So, because we initially recorded this as our prediction podcast, which sadly got corrupted. Yes, it's a nightmare. Which, oh, let's, well quickly just run through our predictions 
not have any discussions. Let's just run through them. You go first, run through your list. Uh, I'm going to tell you the ones I've got. No, just go through them all. All of them. Yeah, go through okay, them all Okay, so the ones I predicted are uh, Dan, a.k.a. John Bishop, says he's from Liverpool. Ryan is spoken about as if he died. The master returns and does a strut. Vin- uh, Vinder's hair gets caught in something. Over-emotional synth happens because the scene is meant to be sad. The doctor says new fam at any point. A character without name is introduced and then instantly dies. A Sontaran potato joke is made. Two doctors make owls. <laughs> Yaz asks mindless questions about aliens. A scouser yells at a TARDIS on his lawn. Dan says the word shocking. Weeping angels appear in a gallery. Theodore Maxtable from Evil of the Daleks returns. <laughs> Joe Martin returns to retcon the timeless children. And a companion dies. Bonus points if it's via a wood chipper. You'll tell when Owen reads his, I went for a slightly more comedic approach uh, to this whole thing. So, Owen, what are yours? Before I just start, you need to have... We need to get you a, a accent job because there's a coin going in there now. I didn't do an accent. You did when you said shocking. I didn't do an accent. I just did. Okay. I just did. I'll, I'll let our listeners be a judge of that one. You, you judge if that's an accent. <laughs> it's not a good one in any case, but it's not an accent. So mine are just, as James says, mine are a bit more serious. <laughs> I've got J. Martin returns. Joseph Williamson's tunnels are used for an invasion. Gallifrey is brought back. Daleks will cameo. Based around for timeless children. Doctor is not for timeless child. Flaky man infiltrator is for master. Sidemen will be overshadowed. Vinda double crosses. Unit is brought back. Future Doctor is from an alternative universe. James will like for timeless children by the end. Made for, for weeping angels worse by adding abilities. Unit is shut down again. We make a sensorized ending. And Dan doesn't say bigger on the inside. But yeah, so, Owen, how many have you got right? So, I actually need a pen to work this out because I haven't had a proper chance well, go to get on, then. Take pen. So, we don't know if Jay Martin returns. So, we don't know for sure yet, but I'm going to say it's almost certain which is based around for Timeless Children. Yeah, I think that's worth... You can half tick it. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to put a question mark, but I've... It's I, on track. Yeah, it's on track to be be right um joseph tunnels being used for an invasion are now, we allowed to tick this off yet no because they haven't been used for invasion yet they're obviously gonna be important somehow yeah. because we've had the thread but whether they're being used for an invasion we don't know yeah it does hit me now now you say that like, it's gonna be weird for a lot of audience members who don't know what the history of that as to why that's there there's still a lot of things if you just, just go what why is that there and yeah. people have just gone you know we're asking questions just accept it yeah isn't that the entirety of this episode? Yeah, pretty much is. So one thing which I definitely got, you were annoyed with this because the doctor says it instead, but my thing def- is very definite in that Dan doesn't say big on the inside. Dan has not yet said it, but uh, yes, you can have that. Yay. Because the doctor says it instead. Uh... I think that might be the only one which I have for sure. I've got a lot of ones which we could argue are true because we don't know about Joe Martin yet. We haven't seen Gallifrey yet. No no Daleks have cameoed. Yes, the Weeping Angels have been involved, but we haven't seen them being made worse yet. Well, these are just... You just leave them. I mean, we have six episodes to find out. So I think I've got one definite. Okay. In that case, I'm ahead because I have two definites. Ooh, which So far... Uh, John Bishop says he's from Liverpool, which he does. 
Umiak Grally says he's Scouse. That yeah. is from Liverpool. Yeah, close enough. I'll give that you that one. Liverpool. I'll give you that one. And character without name is introduced and then instantly dies. Yes, I was the one who flagged this up to you because you nearly let it pass. Uh, no, well, it happened <laughs> multiple times, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I thought that was a decent call. So those two things have happened. And there's a few, I suppose, that over-emotional synth, it'll probably happen. Um, Yaz does ask some off questions. Weeping Angels appearing, got that in a gallery I made the specific yeah. prediction of. And so, no. If we're being specific about mine, we're being no, specific about yeah, yours. No, it's fine. We'll be specific about mine. I put that in. We're still waiting for the wood chipper, of course. I mean, it's coming. So you don't... Because we were discussing about this off microphone, so I'm going to go and bring this discussion yeah. on microphone. Why are you not including the sympathetic synth we had in this episode? Because I think it adds a bit of context. There's a, it's yeah. there for some kind of reason. I think the issue I've had with it before is some of the score on Doctor Who since Sega Nakanola took over from Murray Gold when Chibnall came in is that a lot of the score, it's less about giving you the feeling of the scene, but it's more like just telling you what to feel. It's like, you have to feel sad yeah. now all the time. So it's kind of just almost forcing you to be a... It's always like this... Like really wailing yeah. synth. On this note, because I know specifically when the John Bishop trait teaser got released, the short clip of the um, them being the trick-or-treaters. Yeah, there's a bit of it there. You said while watching that teaser, which you didn't like it there because it didn't make sense within the scene. I said, wait to see it in context and see how we yeah, feel. Yeah, I think it works in that. context. Is it kind of has the kind of eerie feel, which we because you have that shot of uh, them sort of hunting him in the food bank. Yeah, there is the eeriness because that kind of makes sense. So, for con- so in context, it's a bit better. I still yeah. think it's great, but it's not terrible enough that yeah. I get the point. And also, it's the same sort of thing for Yaz as well, isn't it, really? Well, you haven't put her down for that one because, yes, she does ask some questionable questions. But they're not really mindless. They're they're there for a reason, which is for doctors deliberately withholding information from her. Yeah, so she's worth actually asking some (laughs) questions at the moment. So, yeah, there's sort of half there, but not enough where we're giving them. So, coming up to the end, then. Yeah, final thoughts. Final thoughts. After all this discussion, because I thought it was change as we go, do you still like it? I think it's okay. I think it's a, it's a start that has potential, but I should say, and take this with a pinch of salt, listeners, it has the potential to be good and bad. Yeah. As, it, it's on the fencing of, well, that could go either way. Yeah, as, as I was saying, well, midway through, I've got a bad feeling about the ending of this entire as, thing as do i but we have to give it the chance there are enough questions there for us to wonder about particularly claire i think is a really interesting setup and a couple of other things but the good news is i think chibnall has decided to go full serialized miniseries on this which yeah. is his wheelhouse yeah i think he's showing why it's his wheelhouse in the first episode because i don't think he's been more confident on a who episode in a while no so if that follows through, we could be in for something good. Yeah. If it doesn't, well, you know, be like the last two series. I'm just going to put it out there right now. BBC Television, recent history, their big block blockbusters BBC shows have had bad endings. <laughs> let's, yes. Let's hope this doesn't. There's a certain it. crime drama. I'm thinking. Of. Um. <laughs> There's two certain crime dramas, all produced by the same team. Yes. Yeah, ah, uh, world productions. Um. 
But yes, all we can do really is see what happens next week. But I think it's done enough that a lot of people are going to be interested to tune in and it hasn't lost people out. Yeah. And I think on that, you have to consider it a success. Yeah. So how successful is it? Within our suggestion, let's give it a score out of 10. I'm going to give it a six, just slightly above the middle. There's a, I think John yeah. Bishop's funny. And I think there's a few good questions being set. So I'll give her, I'll give her a six, but that could change. Obviously, the more episodes we see and the more context we get for it. What about you? Looking at this episode and its specific purpose, mm. I'm probably going to go a lot higher than you. A lot higher? I'm thinking probably around an eight. Wow. Because this is just our first episode. The purpose of this episode is to let us learn about the new companion, Dan, which it did very well. It did, yeah. It's to get us hooked in what's coming up next. To an extent. It did that well. It gets you intrigued. We're, we're intrigued. We've got lots of questions we want to be asked, which in my eyes, it's got me hooked in what's going to happen. And it's also got a lot of funny moments, which Doctor Who de- tends to re- need. So I think with the context of this episode, if this was a single episode by itself, but this episode has a specific purpose and that's to hook us in. Mm. And I think it succeeded. I think I think your reasoning's fair. I still think it's a six. Yeah. But that and even on that metric. But it's just because I believe that if five's your okay, it's just a bit better than yeah. okay. Yeah. I didn't I didn't dislike it. I didn't feel like my time was wasted, which has been a problem with the last few chip episodes. I didn't feel like I'd wasted my time. Yeah. And that is positive. And I think it also helps here, which I disagree with you on the relationship between the Doctor and Yaz. Yeah. I think it's better than you do. Which True. Probably and, and yeah, I have more issues with it than you do. Yeah. I still think it's okay, and it could end up, it, depending on how these future episodes could be quite good, depending on what's being set up, but we have to find out. So yeah, so thank you very much for listening to our ramble on about um, Into the Black Archive Flux. Into the Black Archive Flux? Have we made this? Wow. <laughs> We got a budget. Chris Chibnall works for us. I've personally hired him. If you if you enjoyed do, do, our do, do, podcast, can I just ask? Since you're the one who went down this route, do you want to be responsible for Chris Chibnall doing what he's done? No, actually. And on that note, I'd like to continue <laughs> with our outro. If you've enjoyed this episode of us talking about Doctor Who flux on Into the Black Archive. Uh, then thanks very much. We hope you've enjoyed it and you want to tune in because we're going to be doing these podcasts for each episode as they come out and they should come out every Monday at some point in the day. So please remember to subscribe so you get them as soon as they appear in your inbox so you can get all of that Doctor Who goodness going straight into your ear hole. And that is available wherever you... Straight into your ear hole. Wow. You're saying some stuff. I I regretted saying that That as I was saying it. Straight into your ear hole. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's really up there with end of season what happened isn't it um yes if you want the as <laughs> Owen's on the floor I think I'll finish this one off please remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcast and if you like what we're saying or you want to disagree with us uh, do it on Twitter we're there at Black Archive Pod or you can even email us if you want uh, We our email address is blackarchivepod at gmail.com Owen is nearing losing consciousness so i'll end it here we'll see you next monday for talk about episode two of flux which is the war war of the sontarans something along those lines i think it's war of the sontarans uh yeah so we will hopefully see you same time same place and you'll hopefully hear from us then thank you for listening
<laughs> from from a laughing living room somewhere in England. <laughs> good night. And goodbye.